morning, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? when you're a star, a punch in the head is still a punch in the head. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. Can you dig it? All right. Hey there, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is Anything Goes for the week of... No, this is the New Year's show. This is 2013, motherfuckers, and we are here with a brand new show. <laughs> it's a brand new year. Uh, I'm in the studio with Darren Frost. We are yes. Christina Walkenshawless, but yes. we got a major, big, big show. show. And oh not my only God. that, it sounded like your voice broke on when you said motherfucker, like it's the first time you ever said it, like your mom's not around. Motherfucker. No, I'm just going through the change. You're going through the change. <laughs> Yeah. Aren't we all? Well, it is a big show tonight. Uh, we have three guests on the show. We have uh, two uh, guests we pre-taped interviews in Ottawa with, uh, Rick Curry and Scott Dumas. But we're starting off the show with a world-renowned comic named Arge Barker. You may have seen him on Flight of the Concords or his tour of the Marijuana Logs. And he is currently one of the four headliners on the Snowden Comedy Tour. And we interviewed him when he was in Los Angeles about this tour coming up on the West Coast in January to February of 2013. Here we go. We have Arge Barker on the line. Hey, Arge, how you doing? Great. How you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Now, you're in L.A. right now, uh, getting nice, warm sun, and then you're going to hit the uh, west coast of Canada to snowboard for a month and do shows. Yeah, I'm making my way up. That's right. I'm going to go spend uh, New Year's Eve in San Francisco and then head up your way right after the New Year's and get things started. And you did, you did this tour last year, or is this your first year doing the tour? Well, I did it, I did it this year, actually, technically. Oh, right, right. <laughs> in January and it was so much fun and I right away tried to sign back up for it and uh, luckily they had me. Now, are you a snowboarder? Were you a snowboarder before this tour or did you just kind of pick it up for the tour? No, I'm a snowboarder from a long time back. I started snowboarding in the 80s, believe it or not. Oh, that's like, I mean, because snowboarding's only picked up or, or it's gotten wow. really popular in like the last sort of like 10, 15 years or so. But I mean, if yeah, you're going... I, I, was, I, was there, I, I saw the thing happen. <laughs> <laughs> There when they, I wasn't there. I wasn't there when they discovered it, but I was. Uh, I was. I was there when, you know, everyone looked funny at you. Cause, you know, the snowboarders were the weirdos on the hill. Right. Right. Yeah, only, only like you know, only punks. People didn't think it was that respectable at first. You know, it's like, oh, that's just some crazy thing that'll go away. A lot of resorts didn't allow it and stuff. And now it's just like obviously, you know, massive. And that's not going nowhere. Right. It's kind of like UFC when it first came along. All the boxers were like, no, 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 no. And now UFC is taking it over. So it's almost like the same thing for snowboarding. Uh, yeah, I would definitely compare it to UFC. Or rollerblades, too. It's just because, like, rollerblading yeah, wasn't. You have to do whatever you have to do to get it done out there, you know? That's right. It's it's weird that um, when you said that, like, that there were a lot of resorts wouldn't allow snowboarding. Or... I remember those days. Why wouldn't they allow it, though? Cause, uh... well, because the assumption that, you know, snowboarders were out of control. Yeah. And certainly some of them were, but no no more so than probably beginning Sears, I don't think. It has a different element. You know, it has more of a side-to-sideness to it. Right. Whereas skiing is more straight down, uh, as far, depending what level you're at. But the beginning snowboarders tend to sort of uh, do a lot of traversing. And so, you know, it is hazardous. But now it's, I think it's too big a business for them to, to deny it. Most, most, there's, there's a couple resorts that still don't allow it. In U- in Utah, I think where Mitt Romney goes with his family, they don't allow it. <laughs> uh, now we talked to Pete Johansson uh, for last week's show, and he was yeah. talking. He talked all about all four of you, and I don't want to start any smack talking here or any trouble on the slopes. But he he said Craig Campbell's kind of like the animal of the show in terms of if there's a cliff, he'll go down it. He's very kind of leery about things and kind of safe. And he said that you like to do tricks, so I just thought that was very interesting how he he played all three of you in a certain way. Oh, uh, I don't really do tri- tricks. I can't really do tricks. I, d- I can go backwards okay, I guess. What do they call that? What do you call that? Like a uh, switch or thank you. But um, I used to do a little tricks, you know, like grabs and stuff. But no, nah, to be honest, I'm just trying not to get hurt. Right. You know? right. I'm trying to keep up with those guys. Uh, Dan Quinn and Craig are both very, and they bomb right down the hill pretty hard. Right. And it's almost like they, it almost feels like they're racing each other. And I usually... And the last guy to show up, but I'm not too far behind. But I like to enjoy it, and 
you know, take my time. And I'm not, I, I can't really get caught up trying to race anyone. Right. I just, I just like the, being out there and, the, and then and uh, the free the free, free feeling of snowboarding. So I'm not very. I can't do. I can do little tricks, but not much these days. What, I was just uh, curious because I know, um, I mean, I, I'm familiar with your stand-up and Flight of the Concords, but I also was a huge fan of the marijuana logs. Uh, do you ever get, uh, do you ever get like a, a an itch to sort of go back and sort of tour with those again? No, not too much, to be honest, because that was cool and something. We did do it in Toronto, at, I think, more than once. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our our, our off-Broadway director was uh, uh, Jim Milan, is actually from Toronto. Hey, Jim, if you're listening. But um, not really, though, because I don't smoke that much weed anymore these days. Yeah. I, I sort of sort of, sort of, uh, parted ways with it. I do once in a while, but I'm not really habitual. I'm just like an occasional, you know, maybe maybe at a maybe at a party, at a, at a dinner party, or, or uh, occasionally when I'm home alone, a little puff. <laughs> you, uh, you started your... You I'm, st- not like, I'm, not, I'm not this massive stoner anymore, so... It'd be a little disingenuous for me to really do the marijuana logs at this point. Yeah, no, I can understand. You started to sound a little bit like the old Steve Martin bit about uh, I only do it in the late, mid, early morning or sometimes <laughs> the late, mid, uh, early afternoon. Right. But the, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess you sort of don't want to go and, and do sort of like a such a, a marijuana-focused show if you're not that. It'd be sort of like, you know, uh, uh you know, it'd be like a woman doing MILF porn and she doesn't have any uh, kids herself. You don't want to be a fraud. Well, that does happen, I think. But... <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't think the MILFs have to produce their children on set for them to go on set and do their thing. No, yeah, you don't have to show any birth certificates. Yeah, if they have a certain age and a certain look, they'll just get classified as MILFs. <laughs> I know. It's such it's such a phony business, that porno. Jeez. It's just not my thing anymore, you know. I, I, I do a lot of... Uh, I'm doing a. I'm coming out with my new show for 2013. I don't think there's a single pot joke in it. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, but you guys kind of treaded on every piece of ground for the uh, pot material, anyways. Right. A couple drinking jokes in it. I'm not anti-marijuana. It's just it stopped working too well for me. It started making me more uh, anxious and enjoyable. So I just right. had to lay off. Now, one question. I know that you spend a lot of time now as more of a kind of world-based comic than just North America. And our show is heard right across North America on XM. It's not just in Canada. Um, it, was that just a conscious thing as the, uh, for the adventure or more just for the career? Because either, either one is a different kind of uh, animal. But I was just wondering from your perspective why that was. Oh, well, it definitely started for the adventure and the fun. I just said, Jesus, this is awesome. I'm going go to uh, go to the U.K. and do right. shows. And I went down there in about 94 Started working around London a lot, and, and so when you, when you think up when when you're writing material, do you write material that it, it will play you know globally, or or is there just like a collection of like jokes that uh, oh okay now I'm back in Sydney I can do this stuff, but uh, what's the is there a, a different writing process when you do travel around the world? Well, um, no, I just sort of when I'm in a place, I have the material I I brought with me, and then I also if, you know I, I try to write jokes about the place too, so if something comes up. Uh, and sometimes I did, and sometimes I don't. But um, I, did, I try to write frequently, and it's diffi- it is difficult. I think the more you do it, you get more your, your taste becomes a little more specific as to what you think. Sure, falls is good material, and it, and also it's you know it's sort of that first album syndrome. I mean, if you if you come out of the gate with a great show and it just comes naturally, and then you're always comparing your new stuff to your older stuff, and so that can do your head in a little bit. Yeah, well, I know. It's like I know every comic sort of worries about even like traveling like to another part of their own country and wondering if uh, you know how their act is act is going to go over. So I was just wondering what sort of steps you might take to you know not worry about something like that. Oh, well, I, I, I know, I know, I'm pretty good at knowing what what material will travel. For me, it's usually just a matter of references. I mean, the references are are universal or are national to that country. Then I'll be okay. Right. I don't find people just change their whole sense of humor on me. Like, what? What happened? You know, I, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think you get there, and if, if they know what you're talking about, then I'll be able to communicate why it's funny, and so I don't worry too much about that. One one thing I like to do with com comedy, especially shows when there's multiple people on it, I always like to compare it to some kind of musical or music thing. And when I saw this, the first thing I thought of is like, because there's four guys on the show, it's almost like, and they're all headliners in their own right. It's almost like a, a the Beatles of comedy uh, touring through town. And if that was the case, which Beatle do you think you would be? Oh, 
Let me think. Let's see. Li- living, uh, living or dead. Yeah. Craig would be John. Uh, uh, Dan would be Paul. Right. Uh, now it's a fight between Ringo and George. Pete Johansson, would, I'm sorry, but he would have to be Ringo. <laughs> That's good. All right. All right. That's good. Um, okay, so we, we're just going to wrap it up here, but uh, we're just going to, uh, you know, January 3rd to Feb 2nd is the tour, the SnowdenComedyTour.com for tickets. Uh, Arj, we appreciate you calling, and uh, safe travels uh, your way up the coast, getting there to the uh, the snow. No problem, yeah, and also the, the dates are on my website also, archmarker.com. Okay, and, and are, are you on Twitter as well? Let's get that out there. I'm on Twitter. I'm at, at Arch Barker, and I will be Twittering along the way on the tour. So Perfect. If you have any questions, but it's going to be awesome, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, yeah, and, and hopefully uh, and hopefully we can arrange some way for you to uh, come through Toronto sometime and uh, be here live in the studio. Oh, I'd love to, definitely. I don't know when I'll be there, but I'd love to come in when I can. Okay, okay. yeah, great news, man. Thanks, Arch. Okay, take care now. Bye. Cheers. All right, take care of yourself. Hey, everybody, that was our interview with Arj Barker. Go to SnowdenComedyTour.com for more information. And up next after the break on Anything Goes, we interview Rick Curry. So stay tuned. Putting the word rap in rape. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hey, this is Christian Potenza, and you're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost on Laugh Attack. XM Radio. <laughs> Putting the word rap in rape. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hey, everybody, welcome back from the break. And uh, in October of this year, myself and Dave Martin were in Ottawa, Ontario, in a dumpy hotel room doing episodes of our show. It wasn't dump that dumpy. It was dumpy. kind of dumpy. My it toilet was... didn't work. Oh, oh right, right. Yeah. We brought that up on the show. Yeah, so that's kind of dumpy. Toilet's yeah. got to work in a hotel room. It's, it's nice. Anyways, uh, so we're going to join now, in progress, an interview we did with a comedian named Rick Curry, who is a writer on, Dave? Uh, the Rick Mercer Report. Oh, you remembered. Good yeah, for of you. Of course I remember. Good for you. Did you use your tub? At any point when the, your toilet didn't work? Well, yeah, of course. That's what you do. <laughs> Mary, or you could use the toilet and wait for it to get fixed. 2013 after this episode, baby. Is I'm going to shit in the tub all the New time. Re- your New Year's resolution? That's right. It's no. not to shit in the tub so much. Uh, just, so, okay, let's just do it. Hey, okay. here's Rick Curry. Here we go. Uh, it's been a long time. We haven't seen each other in uh, probably a good couple of years. Um, and a lot of things have changed for you. I know you live in Ottawa and spend some of your week as well in Toronto, uh, writing for the Rick Mercer Report. Right, yeah. 20 right. weeks a year I'm in Toronto. Right. 32 weeks a year I'm in Ottawa. Uh, that's a nice little, little, little break up there. Yeah. Um, so just for everyone who's listening, because we do have some uh, a lot of American listeners, the Rick Mercer Report is a, a political comedy show in in uh, based out of Toronto that airs in Canada, and does it air at yeah. all in the states at all? Do you know or uh, no? I mean it's on YouTube, so right. it's wherever you want to be or exactly. CBC website, but uh, yeah, it's just on CBC broadcast wise. And you've been doing this as your third year. Yeah, it's my third season. third year, right? Yeah. And season how long has the show been going? Show. Ten. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the beauty of it. I got to come in sort of riding the coattails of the brilliance of everyone who came before me. You right. Know? And, uh, and, and now i got to try and keep that up, though. That's the tough part. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a pretty the, – the thing is when normally in, a, in show business, at least in Canada, as a show grows, they kind of shrink resources. Like they kind of trim writers and they kind of trim things to try to make a budget work. But for this show, it seems like the writing room is, is quite substantial – Whereas normally they might be smaller as because you know it don't bra- you know, don't fix it it's not broken we don't need as much effort because it's doing well right. but in reality it's a pretty big writers room. Well, there's five of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus Rick Mercer himself. He right. Does, he writes his rants. So. Uh... And all five of you are headlining comedians. It's or you know or uh, writers for a long time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're all like we're all guys that work together like for the past twenty years pretty much anyways. You right. Know? So yeah. Like there's guys like you know we were talking earlier about Chris Finn who's you know a brilliant comic. You got yeah. Tim Steves who's still doing this a lot of stand up, and Greg Eckler who I haven't seen since the Mike Buller days when he was on. Then right. I literally haven't seen him in probably ten years. Yeah. How, do you not like do you have you lost the and and I I totally understand, but do you still do stand up or do you still well, get out? Yeah, no, that's yeah, not a lot, not not as much as I used to. Like uh, past couple years, all I've done is like I played absolute comedy once a year, and. Uh, 
I don't even think that's booked at the moment. Right. You know? Yeah. So uh, now I've really kind of fallen off more into the writing side of things. You know. Did you see yourself like when you first started doing stand up? Like, at what point did you say I would rather have a writing job instead? And and, and I mean, some comics are totally. You know, it doesn't bother them at all that they leave the stage behind and they just focus in on the writing and that's satisfying enough. Yeah, well, I don't know. For me personally, it's just been like uh, an organic growth. Like it was never really uh, a day where I decided I'm not going to do that and I'm just going to do this. Like right. basically, like everybody else, you just go wherever the job is, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I got into writing uh, in like the early, it was 2001 when um, it was Mike Bullard, you know, where they were looking for a writer. Yeah, which, as everyone knows, was our, our national talk show. Yeah. Uh, like, kind of like the Jay Leno show or Letterman for Canada. That's right. Yeah, late, yeah, late night talk show, right. monologue and despots and stuff like that. Right. And uh, so, yeah, they said, you know, we want a writer. Everybody write something and, and we'll pick somebody. And, uh, and so I did and didn't expect anything to come of it. Uh, but next thing they called me and uh, and then Sean Tweedley told me later I was the only guy that put it actually in script form. <laughs> All these comics are just like typing out their act or something, you know. So like I, I, I ended up saying, great, you know, that was a job. And so I did that for four years and then, you know, like, I don't know, uh, but I was still doing stand up. But the thing is, like, I think even if I wasn't, I don't know, I don't know. But if I wasn't writing comedy, I don't even know how much club work I would be doing now anyways, you know, because, I don't know, I've, I'm an old guy now. i got kids. i got responsibilities. I got well, I mean, mortgage. that's also part of it too, right? I mean, uh, they, say, they say it's a young man's game, and the only time I really believe in that is the amount of energy it takes to keep your stand-up career going. If you can find that energy to be able to do it and keep at it and all that, that's, to me, where it's a young man's game. It's not about, you know, the crowds want to see young people and all that stuff. I just think the amount of energy it takes. And once yeah. you find something to replace that money, monetary value, and you're a father, I mean, let's be honest, you don't want to travel 40 weeks a year either. You want yeah. to your kids, it you takes be... a lot of energy to be on the road, for yeah. sure. Like that's a that's a hard life, you know. Or, I don't know. Some guys they they take to it fine, you know. Right. But I found it hard. Like I did, uh, you know. I just did the Yuck Yucks tour through most of the '90s and half of the 2000s, I guess. You know. Right. And it's it's it can be grueling. Like I was reading on Facebook this week. Did you see this uh, comic out in? Uh, out in the East Coast there, talking about how he's only oh, got the house. five channels. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, the house. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Johnny about the Newfoundland situation. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that's... Wanna, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah that's all right. And so that's great, you know, because I guess it's the laughs that gives you the energy, right? Yeah. So um, if they can draw on that and, and put up with the other shit that comes along with it, all the power to them, uh, maybe I just didn't get enough laughs. <laughs> maybe that was the problem. Yeah. Well, I, th I, I mean, Darren said the amount of energy, but I also think it's the amount of shit that you want to put up with, too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I also find that the older that you, you get, and if you're a writing, uh, a written word-driven comic, at a certain point you want your words to be heard more than just like, you, you kind of get tired of jumping around and sort of fighting crowds and stuff like that. Yeah, that's why yeah. I see a lot of guys almost being like, you know what, I, I can leave the. Uh, hey, can you take? <clears throat> I can see how guys would be like, hey, I, I'm tired of telling telling you know, uh, you know, table six to shut the fuck up. I've I've got stuff that I've written here and I want to tell people, and so that's why I can see a lot of guys just sort of going over to the writing side because you know if you see your joke on go over on TV, you sort of like. Well, you know that's that's worth a whole weekend at a club, as right. far as far as like your ego goes. You know, I mean, you do get off stage and you're like, oh man, that felt great, but then after a while, you're like, yeah, that felt okay, but I wish I didn't have to deal with you know, loud assholes and bachelorette parties and stuff. Totally, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Like there is a rush that you can get on the stage that you can't get, uh, I think, in in front of a screen. But then also, I think too, you, then you start getting memories of rushes. And then sometimes that's good enough of like, oh, yeah, I remember when I killed a couple of years ago. That was great. Right. <laughs> yeah, know, that's but sometimes right. that's enough. <laughs> that's right, yeah. It's like it's sort of like flashback. It's all uh, sort of like uh, it's that um, satisfaction in knowing that you could fuck that chick if you want to. But then, yeah, like, oh, yeah I could, <laughs> I I could fuck you. With all this yeah, but I don't want to. Yeah. Oh, then there's that awkward part of you. Oh, <laughs> I got to stay over at a shitty house. <laughs> or I have to ask you somehow to leave my hotel room. I just want to sleep now. And then it's sort of like, ah, that's, I'll get enough from just knowing that you can, that's enough. Yeah, okay. I, I got what you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a roundabout analogy that really doesn't 
work. And <laughs> no, I'm having a waitress flashback now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, just but, the, the idea of, like, you did comedy for a long time through a chain of clubs, and that's a certain framework that is great in the beginning of your career. A lot of people call that kind of like your high school part of your career where you learn the ropes, you figure some things out, and then you yeah. either choose to stay within that framework or you leave. And not a lot of comics uh, do substantial time in both. I think a lot of comics get to a certain level, then kind of go independent, and then kind of that peters off a bit because you have to really hustle, and that's the big difference. And for someone like yourself, you I, I don't want to say midway through your career because obviously you know better, but I would say it was probably midway through your career where you chose to go more independent and hustle. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Like there was uh, – I was doing as well as you could do over there, I think. Right. You know, like uh, – um, well, I mean, uh, here's here's one moment when I thought, like, nah, okay, like, you know, I was told you're one of the highest paid uh, on tour guys we got, and then I got a T4 for $29,000. Yes. You know? Yeah, you're no, like, exactly. So, and you had to go to, like, eight provinces to get that. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, and that's the reality of it. That's right, yeah, and a lot of stress in between the gigs where yes. you're wondering where, you know, your next grocery bag is coming from, yeah. you know? you could work, you so. know, full-time at a Blockbuster video and make the same money and not have to go to, like, shitty bars in, the, you know, in B.C. Yeah, but it totally wasn't uh, completely about the money at all, but that's no. a part of it, yes. you know? Like, is when you, I don't know, suddenly you got kids and you got, right. you know, like, so... And how many, you have two kids? Yeah, yeah, I got right. two girls, yeah. Yeah. And, uh... And so anyway, so that was part of it. But also there was just a certain amount of, you know, like I've been through these same I don't know, 8 or 12 clubs, yep. you know, for 8 or 12 years. Well, yep. 12 or 15 years. And, you know, I've bombed in them and I've killed in them. And uh, and I know all the bartenders. And, uh, and, and it's a great little family, you know. And it's awesome. Like when you're first starting out and, and uh, you know, I, I made friends there that I still have today. And, uh, and it's. You know, but at the same time, you get you just hit a ceiling, I guess. You know, and you realize you're not really that much in control of your own uh, destiny. Right. And so uh, I call it dazed and confused. You know, <laughs> are you going to be Matthew McConaughey and just stick around? You know, or are you going to yeah. find a new path for yourself? And for most comics that go independent, like yourself or other guys that I know, like Steve Brinder, when I talk to them, they say, you know, what we miss the most is the camaraderie. We don't yeah. miss the politics. We don't miss the bullshit, but we miss the camaraderie because when you're independent, a lot of times you're still working with other comics, but yeah. sometimes it's oh, not it's the, the friends. It's the best fucking brotherhood, you know. Right. It, it totally is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you just sort of like get to this place where you, you've just done it all, you know. Like yeah. you've seen this town, you know where the Swiss chalet is, and it's five blocks <laughs> away. <you know>? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's it's always funny too if when you start going back to places and like you start looking forward to seeing some of the staff people. And then, or they shiver when they see Dave because they look forward to him. Yeah, well, that's, I don't go back to a lot of places, so I don't <laughs> worry about. It. But it's sort of like then you and then you or you go back to somewhere and, and then you realize all the staff has moved on, and you're sort of like, yeah, but now I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here, and why? Are, what you sort of like? What gives you the right to move on? Yeah. You're supposed I to. I was mopping the floor last week. Yeah, you saw him drive I, by I, I in a Mercedes. I was looking forward to coming that. back and, and and seeing you and the guy that runs works the door and. Where am I going to get my weed from now? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, yeah, you start sort you of looking. Start, f- yeah, I and the bartender again. Oh, yeah. I like to party, <laughs> eh? You like to party? Yeah. Yeah. But again, like, it was a very organic thing. And I think in a way, like, it's, it's not really a choice that I even made. It's just when you want to do other things, then they're no longer your friend. You know, like, then, right. then suddenly, oh, no, we, you cannot work with us anymore because you're doing right, your own yeah. thing, too. And, uh yeah. One of the reasons that me and Dave came to Ottawa with the rig is because Ottawa, and you started your comedy career in Ottawa, I mean you still live here half the year, or more than half the year, is that uh, Ottawa is definitely a kind of mini mecca of comedy in Canada. It's definitely, I wouldn't say it's a first tier city like Vancouver and Toronto, but I would definitely say it's probably third in line to those in terms of uh, quality of comics and number of comics. Yeah. And you were here during, I would say, the glory years of the early 90s. Yeah. And what was that like for you? Because like, you, you came up through the ranks in Ottawa, not Toronto, where the natural progression for comics is get to Toronto as quickly as you can and starve for the rest of your life. Where <laughs> that's not the way it is in Ottawa. Not really, no. Yeah, it's it's a rich little spot here, very fertile. Like Howie Wagman deserves a lot of credit for that. He he's right. uh, he certainly uh, um, uh, helps out a lot of people when they when they're first starting. Gives them uh, as much exposure yeah. as he can. He's the comedy club owner in in Ottawa for yeah, the Yuck Yucks the for the last thirty he, years. Uh, yeah, I worked with him for a long time. But yeah, like as I was, you know, just as I was coming in, Norm McDonald was here, and yeah. uh, and Mike McDonald as well. 
and uh, and then there's Tracy McDonald, but yeah. Jeremy Hotz I worked with And then you tried to change your name to McDonald, but they said that's enough McDonald's. <laughs> exactly. I was Rick McDonald for a while. It wasn't working. It wasn't working. But, uh, yeah, but like even to this day, like John Doerr is the latest guy, right? They yeah, of course. come out of here, and now yeah. he's making big splash in Hollywood. Yeah. Tom Green, like, yeah. So but a almost, lot but, of guys have uh, leapfrogged me. Yeah. The difference is almost yeah. all of them, almost all of them, except maybe Jeremy, because Jeremy is a character. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good writer, but he, he's also a character comedian. Yeah. But all the other ones you said were very writer-based comedians, which right, I find right. very interesting, you know, like uh, the writing is more than the performance side for almost all of them. Uh, yeah. And I wonder if that's more of an Ottawa thing because it's the nation's capital and because maybe a little more highbrow is possible here, at least in the 90s. My attitude about this town is now it's kind of evened out. It's just like every other Gordy town. But in the 90s, there was <laughs> hey, definitely, right. definitely, Gordy. yeah, exactly. But there's, there was definitely that sense of you could get away with more intelligent stuff here in the 90s. Uh, yeah, I've heard that before. Maybe, it, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe mm -hmm. uh, like there's a lot of like civil servants and like just office type people, you right. know, that uh, would come to the crowds. So they're used to sitting and listening, and uh, yeah, maybe it's you don't get that in other towns where the the industry is uh, whatever it is. You know, like yeah. they're they're more used to talking all day. You know, right? But uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe and also, that's... you know, you're only an hour away from Montreal, which is a, a completely different culture, and of course, the, one of the world's biggest comedy festivals. That's the most festivals. beautiful thing about Ottawa. Yeah, two hours from Montreal. Right. Uh, I mean, you're, you're you wrote for the Mike Bullard show, and now you're writing for the Rick Mercer show. What uh, was it? A hard transition? I mean, especially with Bullard, you know, going from where you're writing your act, and it's you know, it's your voice, and they're gonna the jokes are coming out of you. Was it hard to you know, start trying to keep in mind that oh, I'm now I'm writing uh, for someone else that, and then these jokes are going to come out of a, a face that's not mine. Yeah, well, I, I was lucky because I got a bit of a ramp in that way, you yeah. know, because yeah, at one point you're just on stage and you yourself saying whatever you want. Right, and yeah, you only had to answer to yourself. Right, yeah, and then I was on Bullard, but it was sort of a late night show, you know, so like it, you still had to clean it up for television a bit, mm -hmm. but at the same time, any topics were there, but. You know, was, at the same time, there were still some some walls or some lines you couldn't cross, you know. And so you learn to adapt to that. And now with Mercer, we're on at 8 o'clock, and there's a lot more lines, you know. And so I kind of ramped into that a little bit, you know. Do you, did, did you, like, look forward? Is that a, a challenge that you like, the idea of, like, as a like, – where, where in the uh, sort of dirty scale would you ever put yourself before? You... Oh yeah, well yeah, that's the thing. I never really was much of a dirty. Guy. Right. So I mean, did, did you? Was it like a, a tough challenge to go from like, oh man, now I'm telling. Yeah, but the difference to going from you weren't a dirty comic, but having the ability to do whatever you want on stage to having the confinement of television, which has yeah. a different egg. Like you, there's always certain places you can go and you can't go. Even though you may not have went there in stand up, it might have lent itself to what you're trying to say. Right. And, and also the idea is, um, you know, I haven't seen you in a few years do stand up, but. Uh, you know, Mike Bullard wasn't a very political person, like in terms of his show. He didn't do a lot of jokes about politics. He would do no. some things about the, you know, the news of the day, but he wouldn't be like Rick Mercer. Who no, was he, very he actually political. shied away from politics. Right. He told us nobody cares. Right, know. right. And so for you, how hard was it for you to write for someone like that versus Rick Mercer? Like just your natural, what you find interesting to write about. Well, I mean, that's where it's different, though, is that, yeah, you don't get to write about what you want to write about. Right. right, right? You got to, like, take the newspaper, literally. Like, we get five newspapers a day, and you just scan for something you can find an angle on, you know? Right. But that's the beauty of it a little bit in that when you have these uh, constrictions, if you do come through with a good joke on it, then it's it's a diamond, you right? Know, like, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's that's the beauty of it. But it's just a different thing you're chasing. It's just a different heroin, really. Like you said, when you do find that one thing, it's like, oh fuck that! I can do this. This is great. You yeah, know, I can right. make that funny. Even though, like, there are people that I find I'm like, what? You're writing for a show that's very political. I've seen your act. You don't have a single political joke in your act, but that doesn't mean they can't do it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All you gotta do is you open up the paper, and and that's the job. I mean, it ain't easy, and it's not fun sometimes. And it's because yeah. the you know the fishery minister introduced a new regulation <laughs> on salted uh, yeah. on salted lobster. Then okay, there you go. Start with that. Because I, I, <laughs> I remember lobsters, lobsters. Okay, they got pinchers. That you know. Yeah. And then eventually something. 
hopefully comes. A lot of times, like um, they told me when I when I was hired, and it's true, like they write eighty jokes to tell one. You right? Like you wouldn't yeah. believe the yeah. stuff that goes in the recycling. Uh, I actually saw it's something on a, a writer from. I'm not sure if it was Letterman or Conan, so I apologize in advance to whoever it was. But they were writing like 140 jokes a day. Right. Like for the monologues. That's each person yeah. was responsible for a certain number and it was something crazy like 140 jokes a day. Yeah. I don't think I write 140 premises a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm a different style comic. It's more longer winded and, you know, storytelling, but I'm just sitting there going, I don't know if I could work with I mean, you never know until you do it, but 140 jokes a day, even yeah. 50 jokes a day. I'd be like, "Okay, where's the gun?" Because at joke 48, it's like I think I'm repeating myself, you yeah. know? It's yeah, like it's insane. It's constant. Yeah, like when the, and we have you know, deadlines and, and things we got to have. And it's, uh, yeah, like, but the the thing is when you're going for a large quantity out of that 140, probably 100 of them are just shit. Right? Sure, of you course, just gotta yeah. Throw them right, it's right the brainstorming away. technique, But then yeah. there's 40 that aren't bad, you know, and in that 40, there are 10 that are pretty good. And in that 10, there's five that are brilliant, you know, and so I guess that's the process. Yeah. Right. And how much of the process is like you get into something like that and then it kind of goes up to a, like a, a table situation where other comics help you with the jokes and maybe rewrite them? Or is it very much just a very solo entity with the Mercer right now? Uh, well, we all pretty much have our own way of doing things, right? right? Um, so we kind of write our stuff, but at the same time, there's banter in the room, you yep. know, there's, and uh, like uh, Finn and I hooked up on one this week, you know, like sure. just because I had an idea and then he bounced the one off me when I told him and said, oh, perfect, we put the two of them together, there's a bit, you know, right? but, um, but mostly we're each responsible to put a certain amount on the table. Yeah, right? no, no, I understand that. But I'm just wondering, is it like, you know, you, you say a joke and then someone's like, yeah, like you said, they give you an angle because even me and Dave, like we don't think the same way, right? And we talk each other to about jokes and all of a sudden he gives me a tag. I'm like, I never would have went there. And I mean, uh, that's yeah. that's the part of, I think, I don't want to write for a show. It's just not in me. But I think that's the part I'd find the most rewarding, knowing that, okay, my shitty 40 jokes I'm reading the table may not be that great, but if I can help someone else tag up some jokes and make them better, that justifies my own kind of ability to be totally. here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's just as valuable in the room as, as coming up with the concept is right. to, like, take it a little further and be able to take it in a new way or yeah, yeah, and the beauty is like each day we have the read, right? Like we all write our stuff and then we just put it on the table, right? Sit around and then uh, and then it's just read out as though the cameras are on, and uh, and that's fun, right? Because you don't know what the other four guys wrote, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah like no, yeah. your own show every day. You yeah, know? that's what the, and yeah. see for me, it's like because most of you guys don't do stand up. I, mean, I know Tim Steve does uh, quite a bit still. It would just drive me nuts knowing I wrote a joke that's great. And for whatever reasons, it can't be used on the show, whether it's content or it's not Rick's voice or whatever. And then it just yeah. kind of sits there and dies. I'd be like, oh, I got to get on stage and do that joke. I got to, you know, I just know me. I'd be like finding some place at midnight. I got to tell this fishery joke, this fishery ministry joke. It's so good. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's going to love it. Oh, Come on, know? folks. Lobster. Come on. But then there's also that part, too, of just like the I because, you know, you could write a great joke that might only have a lifespan of a week, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, we all have jokes about, like, a movie that came out and, you know, then, like, a year down the road, nobody might even hear about it or that old... old no, some comics movie. still do jokes about Jaws. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that's that's why the greatest gift to the comedian was the VCR of just... I just, I just rented the movie Jaws the other day. And, hey, you know, why doesn't the... You know, don't people hear that music when the shark's coming closer? You know, it's just one of those, like, it's, it's like, you know... you. Yeah. Get out of the water! Get out of the water! Well, the problem is all the condos only have the VCR with that one movie, right? Yeah, it's, so, yeah. it's, it's, because, uh, like, I mean, I have bits that, like, I only do, like, between certain months, because if I'm, I'm not going to do a joke in June where I'm referencing Halloween. That just seems... Right, right. sure, yeah, yeah, and, I got some might of not, those, yeah. It might not bother the audience, but it bothers me to be like, oh, Halloween. That's some you know? excellent Remembrance Day stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So no, what? But that's um, but yeah, that's one thing that uh, TV writing has uh, that's different from stand up. Is that stand up? Uh, they're expecting it to be polished. You know, they're expecting it to be crystal Absolutely. nice. You know, and TV you get a little leeway with just being topical, right? right? Like it's still kind of funny because oh, that just happened. Oh, I was just thinking about that. You know, so. Now, there's a, a few other shows in Canada. I mean, Air Force isn't on the air now, but when it was, at that point, there was a lot of shows that were doing 
topical weekly bits. There's was you know the Mercer Report. There's 22 Minutes. There's Air Force, yeah. and that's just what I can remember. I mean, there's probably a couple other ones that were doing it that are more local based. But right, yeah, it's just television. Yeah, right. there's radio shows, there's radio and shows, web, and everything. Yeah. And and how much overlap do you think there there can happen there? Like you're doing a joke about something, and then you you know you turn on another channel, like oh fuck, they're doing the same bit. Well, you know? that's yeah, because 22 Minutes follows us, right? Right. And I haven't seen it happen yet. I don't know if there's some sort of clandestine uh, communication going or not. Right. Not that I know of, anyways. Sure. And yeah, I'm just waiting for someday. You know, like we'll do a joke, and luckily they're after us. So yeah, so it doesn't know. matter. <laughs> so they get first joke the TV, to first the yeah. TV, baby. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Even if it's better, there's, there's eats it. Yeah. What eight jokes on the fishing fishing ministry? What's going on here? <laughs> it was a slow news day. That's right. Yeah. Everybody's thinking of lobsters this week. <laughs> well, but it I mean, hasn't happened yet, though, which is the weird thing, right? Like uh, I don't know, but uh, they, they, I guess when because we got our group of writers, they got theirs and. So they go in their direction, even if maybe, like, I guess we can hit on the same topics, but they'll have a totally different angle, right? Well, yeah, because, I mean, Rick is a very defined character, and those people are very defined characters, and they're writing for that in the style of them. So, yeah, even though maybe the same topic, it's generally not good. It's like if, if, if I and someone who's like, like yourself were talking about the same topic, we're not going in the same direction when it comes to stand-up, right? So it's like that makes sense. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. You're cleaner, I'm dirtier. It's like or whatever. Know. Even if we both started out saying, "Okay, today we're going to talk about our kids for five minutes," right? Like your five would be completely different. Yeah, right? it probably would be. So yeah. yeah. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? There's a website or yeah, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Com. That's okay. Up, yeah. Since All right. 1998. Okay. Do you, do you Twitter? Are you on the Twitter? No, I don't tweet. No. Yeah. I don't know. I just well, first, like I just don't feel the need to let the whole world know what I'm doing every second of my life. Right. Know, the people who need to know know what I'm doing. Right. Like, I, I, but I am on Facebook. So. Yeah. Well, I've heard like guys like even like uh, like Howard Stern or something like he's like I got a four. He says I have a four hour radio show. What more do I need to say to people it's every day? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it's kind of like a, like when we interviewed Bobcat Goldthwait and we asked him if he's he on Twitter and he was like I don't know that just. Sounds like something more I have to do. That You're right, it's yeah. just, you know, you can't. Or sometimes I've thought of like a funny status update. You know, I put right. that out on Facebook, and then three minutes later, oh, I could have used that for the show. Like, yeah. Right, know? yeah, in some <laughs> other capacity, yeah. Right. So, you know? Well, I mean, I'll tell you one thing that I realized when I was very, very first starting out, you know, like we had our, our group here that, you know, went to Montreal and back and did right. our, our open mics or after, after Thursday night. And, uh, and then you get a, you know, I went on my first tour across the country, and I saw the amateur night there, and I realized these guys are the same as us, right? Yeah, of they're, course. Yeah, you know, like they're no better, no worse, you right. know. Yep. So if you could be just sort of, you know, one of the top guys in in your town, yep. Then you're probably one of the top guys, you know, uh, at least coming up. Right? Uh, yeah, in so, your level, in your level, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, in your level. So that's one thing that Ottawa was really good for is that you know, like uh, amongst us, we were all trying to get better, and without even knowing it, that put us in a good place even nationally without even trying or knowing it. Yeah, and there was a lot, and Montreal I think has this too, there's a lot more camaraderie here and in Montreal than say more of a Toronto or, or uh, I don't know about Vancouver, but you know, in Toronto it's very much like I'm you know, going on the backs of other comics to get my piece and it's all about me, 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 but in the other markets you can't do it that way because you can't last. You've right. got to, there's got to be that camaraderie and that helping each other out which is important in the beginning of your career because once you get to the bigger market, you're going to have to say fuck you to other people and it's all about me. I guess so, yeah. You know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> I only came up here, so. Yeah. So I was lucky, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks for coming. All right, that was Rick Curry, one of the writers of the Rick Mercer Report. And after the break, we're going to come back with another interview from Ottawa with comedian Scott Dumas. Stay tuned. This is Anything Goes on Sirius XM Laugh Attack. Dumas. Dumas. Get ready to try and shower the filth off. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Whoa, g'day, mateys. This is Bushwhacker Luke. And you're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Laugh Attack. On XM Radio. Whoa! Wipe off your face. We're back. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back from the break. And that was our interview with Rick Curry. And now on deck, we did another interview in Ottawa with a comedian named Scott Dumas based on the West Coast. And we had quite a amount of fun with Scott, didn't we, Dave? Uh-huh. On deck, though? We're recording this on a boat now? On deck. Yeah, on deck. deck. That's a term, Dave. Is it? Yes, on what? deck. It's ready. It's about to go. It's about to play. We're not taping it now. Are we, Dave? Uh, are no. we taping it now? We're taping this now. We're taping this now, but are yeah. we taping that interview now? No, we taped it back in Ottawa right. when Holy we were playing fuck. the club there. We're getting divorced. Anyways, this is our interview with Scott Dumas. I get half. I thought, because the first time we met, you uh, were in Alberta, so I just assumed that's where you started your comedy career. So I guess you started your comedy career there, but late in life. That's right, yeah. I lived here uh, in Ottawa until I was about 30. Right. And uh, 9 to 5 jobber. Right. Worked for the Bank of Montreal as a financial services manager and took a transfer out to Calgary uh, when I was 30, kind of like wondering what my next step in life was. And uh, I started comedy at the Yuck Yucks in Calgary based on... My experiences at the Yuck Yucks in Ottawa back in the early 80s when I would come here and go to the old uh, sh- uh, club on, uh, was it Queen Street? Or yes, Albert. Yeah. Albert <clears> on Albert, Albert. Yeah, yeah, Capitol Hills. Yep. Now, it's interesting your background is in banking. A lot of yeah. comics and comedy rallies against the big banks and all the big corporations. So you have a background in that. What, mm-hmm. What's your uh, you know your take on it? Do you ever roll your eyes to some of the comics who are like, you don't really know what you're talking about or you've just you know watched too many <laughs> liberal news programs? Actually, I have to agree with most of them because the reason I'm not in the bank anymore is because of the hypocrisy and uh, the greed and uh, the sales environment of the bank, Right. which is what happened when I was at the bank. It used to be an institution where people could go there and get loans and get mortgages, and you would just deal with a normal person, and then it became a high-pressure sales environment, Yeah. and I was hired as a salesperson, not necessarily a financial Advisor, advisor to help someone right yeah so my job was to make sure that all my clients were in debt right up to, to their, their eyeballs nuts, you know and, yeah right. and uh at that moment i was like this didn't seem healthy mm-hmm. for me to be making sure that people it's called the total debt servicing ratio you take the amount of uh gross income and then it's 35 to 40 percent so the banks know that that's the breaking point of course and my job was to make sure people were at that breaking point. And it just never felt good inside of me to put people into the financial ruin. And I had this vision that it was going to collapse. Right. And obviously, in 2008, that was the pinnacle of the whole thing. So right. I got out before that thinking, there's got to be a different route for me. And it just happened to be comedy. I just uh, I wanted to go from... A position uh, in the banking to like nobody likes bankers, nobody likes yeah, I understand life insurance that. people. Yeah, you and, know the uh, one the interesting thing is though is that uh, Canadian banks have a different reputation than American banks. And it's interesting that you said that whole debt ratio, which sounds like you know the evilness in banking, but mm-hmm. the Canadian banks sometimes get a pass because we didn't have the same problems as That's America. Right. They had a few maybe more checks and balances, but they still are profit motivated and like you said, push right. it to the brink. Maybe not like America passed a break unless his hope you know nothing happens that's right well yeah. was that, like that was uh, Paul Martin who had the made the uh, the bank act didn't he that, that allowed yes not for us not the, to have the collapse that was in the United States yeah that's right the regulations uh, were a bit more stringent in Canada right whereas the United States just were uh, a, f- a, free a free market yeah. uh, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac thing and uh, the uh, the uh, there was a, a direct uh, plan by the Wall Street stock markets to invent these mortgage uh, funds, right. and then they manipulated the whole thing, and everything they, that happened was planned. Right. Yeah. Whereas Canada was like a bit more reserved, so maybe maybe feeling the wake of it, but the whole thing about get a house at you know prime minus what, uh, what is it prime mortgage. Uh, Below prime, yeah. prime mortgage, mortgage rates, rates yeah. yeah, that was all started by the states, and we just had a ripple effect where, uh, for instance, mortgage rates when I was first started, if I could get somebody a mortgage rate for 9.75, I was a fucking genius. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Now, 3.5%, that's, there's no way that people are going to be able to survive when 
let's say interest rates go to 5%, it's going to crush people. Well, people forget, too, in the 80s, interest rates were 18%. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, my sorry. parents claimed bankruptcy in the 80s, and it was not a huge mortgage at the time. But at 18%, even a $100,000 mortgage, right, is that's eighteen grand a year. Mm-hmm. You're talking just an interest, 1500 a month. Mm-hmm. Just on a hundred thousand dollars. Now the average home in Toronto is four to five hundred thousand dollars at eighteen percent interest. You know, you're you're talking seventy grand interest a year, mm-hmm. and that's and not no. not possible. Not possible at all. No, it's uh, mathematically not possible. But yeah, they didn't. They don't care about that. And then they drop mortgage rates, making people believe that they can get a mortgage. And then they dropped the minimum amount that you could put on. It was twenty five percent. You had to have 25% of the value of your house. Then yeah. it went to 20, then 10, then 5, and the mortgage rates dropped, and people all jumped on board. Right. And uh, now that they're in this situation where 3 4% interest rates, if they go up 2%, it's going to screw people up. Right. I left university. I went to Carleton right. after I went to Bell High School in Ottawa mm-hmm. and uh, uh, got a psych degree, Yeah. Uh, still figuring what I was going to do in life, Right. and um, went to Went, got into banking just because of a relationship with a family member and uh, decided, you know, maybe that's a route that I should take, 9-5, put a suit on, take my, uh, my briefcase, my lunch, and go help people in the financial world. And then I realized between 22 and 33 was, my, we're at the, it was the pinnacle of the, the, the end where I realized the banks are not in it for anybody except themselves. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a race which, by all the major banks which, to see which, who could make a billion dollars in a year. Right. That was, which, a, that was a race. Which is, is fair and to a certain extent because they're a business for profit. They're not mm-hmm. here to, you know, to be a charity case, but it's the idea of how far they're willing to go and how much money they're willing to make on right. the back of people. That's right. the difference. I mean, we all know they're there to make money. And it's like, it's like, you know, I've got no problem paying for a service if I know exactly how much it is. Mm-hmm. But then when they start adding tax after tax after tax and you mm-hmm. get the bill and it's like, what the fuck was this, all this hidden shit? That's when people start to get upset, right? And that's what banks are... You know, really well known for changing rates and all this type of stuff. Um, uh, the reason you came to Ottawa is a high school reunion last weekend. Isn't that one of the That's main right. reasons yep. why you're here? Yeah. So we've never really talked about our high school reunions <laughs> on on the show. We that's the topic that we wanted to talk about. So what was it like for you? So it's what 25 years was it? Well, actually, this was a 50th anniversary reunion. So it was the 50th year of the age of the school. Right. So this was anybody who went to Bell High School from the 1962. To the present, okay. Uh, so there was a like a thousand people at this pub night, and uh, a majority of the people there were from the '60s and '70s and maybe '80s. Okay, so, so you're you're the, you're your your years, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, right. dab in the middle of the '80s. I was the uh, seven-year program from '81 to '87. <laughs> So well, was there, you know, was the nerdy guy still like a nerdy guy, and was the hot chick still the kind of debutante hot chick, or did it all flip? You know what? It was it was a little bit of both, man. There was like a heavy metal rocker guy that used to have the long flowing hair and the and the the mesh shirts and the tight pants. Yeah. And now he's a, a triathlete. Okay. Uh, and he lives in Singapore, and he's an architect, you know. And then there's the the hot chicks that are still hot, and then there's chicks that just have. Ex- Bloated in weight, and you're right, like, I yeah. can't believe that so and so. Yeah. Um, so there's all kinds of that. Um, balder and fatter. I think most people <laughs> get balder and fatter. That's what I, I've. I, I've never. When do you get invited to? Like, what are the years of a high school reunion? Like, when do, is it? Like, ten years after, or ten is the first, I think. Ten, yeah, or twenty or twenty-five. I yeah. was not. Uh, There's a twenty-fifth anniversary a year ago. Uh, I was not invited to, and uh, they even had a oh, talent show so where. Uh, oh, it was fine. <laughs> uh, they had a talent show where they had comedians on as well, and I was not on on the show who, or invited. Who were the other comedians? Uh, Graham Chitton was on the show. Who's, oh, uh, was was yeah. on our show? last week uh, yeah, yeah, a funny yeah, comic yeah. from Bradford right. but uh, he was on the show I wasn't so how many Jesus. went to your school then? Uh, two <laughs> just two so you and, yeah Graham Chittenden and you didn't get an invite no and I had Gord Painter Gord Painter went to my high school oh no well. way yeah, yeah he's yeah, a yeah. rest in peace okay yeah, yeah yeah here's a funny uh, Sean Collins went to my high school he did and he's one of the reasons I got into comedy so, Sean, just was, everyone knowing who's listening, Sean Collins Sean. is a Canadian comedian who now is based out of the U.K. and right. is doing very well. He was a headliner here and moved to the U.K. in the mm-hmm. kind of massive explosion in the early, late 90s exactly. that a lot of yep. can- uh, comics did, yeah. So I knew him in high school, and we you know, were at the same parties and that sort of thing, and then I knew he was now, in the Now, back then, did he do everything for Pussy, too? Or yeah, was it? absolutely. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. yeah, 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 sure. He brags about nailing sisters and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sisters like nuns? Or, uh, 
Or like our people's well, sisters. I don't. I didn't ask him. I just assumed. <laughs> oh, maybe he's got a penguin finish. <laughs> leave him alone. Leave him alone. Um, so but, uh, tragedies at your high school reunion, like people that was like, oh my god, because uh, I got in trouble during the Sam Tripoli interview because I referred to like. What, it was a homeless people and strippers. I put them in the same category. Well, but I mean, do, like, were there any people that were like, "Oh my God, what happened to this guy?" And or you thought someone was going to have a like, huge potential, and then or, uh, I can't remember anything. Yeah, maybe they looked at me at that way, and they're like, "What is that guy doing? Making comedy? <laughs> Stupid." Choice. He was a banker. He was making tons of money. Yeah. And now he's making eight bucks a year and getting gave up gallon. salary and, and right. pensions and. RSPs and stuff for it's it's a weird (laughs) extremely that's what people think that's what people think you must be extremely happy doing what you love (laughs) reunions are weird for me because I wanted sometimes you have the urge to want to do them and then I have like no fuck those people I didn't get along with most of them anyways but then you have this weird I should go back and show them what I've done blah 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 and then it doesn't I know because I've done not my high school reunion but other kinds of reunions and halfway through (laughs) no but I mean other reunions of people five minutes later those feelings don't mean anything you're just kind of like oh man all this built up stuff was just for Pointless reasons. And also, I, uh, I uh, there was like a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in like fifteen years, and I actually I went to his wedding, and uh, there were other guys, like other people there that I knew from high school, and I'm, it's amazing how how many people are still stuck in those sort of high school years as much as they've mm-hmm. grown up and actually gotten older, yeah. but. So many of those, uh, the, their memories just come from that particular time, which I always think, no, you should be building Mo- new Mo- and better <laughs> memories yeah. and happier or, and a, at least yeah. more interesting ones than, the hey, I was in Eglinton subway station, I got hammered, and I was like, <laughs> was like hey, remember, I, I just, yeah. I get tired of living in a, hey, remember when sort of <laughs> world. Of yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, and that's I, also not my favorite kind of comedy either. Of just uh, hey, remember when you were a kid? Well, yeah, I do remember, but I've moved on. And, yeah, you know, yeah, that's my closer. Thanks, Dave. So it is interesting that I've met a lot of people from my high- Facebook is a big thing for this mm-hmm. now. You meet a lot of people from your high school years because sure, of Facebook, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't really hold much water for my experiences. Most people are quite different, but I do agree with you that whole remember when you know memories. But you know, it's it's a really hot button thing right now with all the bullying going on and yeah, yeah, how that kind of chases you, that. and we're and it never goes that. away. This is this is National Bully Month, though. I mean, anti-bully month. Sorry, I, I think I would enjoy hey, everybody. This is national bully. Go out and shove someone. <laughs> Go out and uh, throw like kick some sand in someone's face. We're halfway through October. You only got ten more days left. Get ten more days to call someone fat and four eyes. But, but I just, uh, 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 yeah, it just sort of. Uh, but you know, yeah. I mean, when you're with those people, you're only going to draw on the memories that you had that you share, from that, that you share. time. Yeah. But yeah, right. I don't. I don't think I have been contacted. Uh, about a high school reunion, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, uh, well, take the hint, Dave. <laughs> I know, I, I, I uh, but but I mean, do you, you know other people from from when you went to high school that have moved on and, and done uh, like well, big things? It's just I'm trying to think, like who well, else? I, Steve Eiserman. Okay, yeah. went to my high school. He did right. big things. He's all yeah. right. Hey? Yeah. John Baird, for a minister of uh, foreign affairs. He's all right. He did. Pretty yeah. big things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There's always. But, but do you even but, keep in contact with anyone no, from your God. high school years? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's Jim? a handful of people here in Ottawa that I that I come see and talk okay. to on a regular basis. But, right. Uh, you know, and then you see the reunion, and you're right. You, you get together with a bunch of people. You, you shake hands. You're like, "What are you doing?" And then you see someone else. And then you just drift off. Sure. And then you don't see that person. And then they go back to their lives with their families and their right. kids and their hockey. And they, but then you know it's annoying. You get invited to some of their weddings, like fringe yeah. friend weddings. That's fucking weird, right? Yeah, I like. Deal with. That's like I've got sucked into a couple of those over the years, and I'm like, really? I didn't really know you that well. Yeah. I'm taking a night off work. That's three hundred to five hundred bucks. I got to buy a present. I got to get a hotel room. I'm spending eight hundred bucks on a guy I wouldn't say hi to on Facebook anymore. That's right. That's right. I don't. I don't look at it like I. I did. I did my time, and then I wanted to drift off and see what the next stage in life was. And it seems like people just didn't leave their 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 hometown. They got married to somebody who is in their hometown, and yes. they have kids, and then they still take their kids to uh, other uh, events and yeah. the parents are all people from their high school, their yes. hometown. And you're like, Oh, what's so-and-so doing? Oh, he just he lives down the street. I see him all the time. I'm like, man, I, I just needed to escape and, Go and see the world, right? You know, yeah. I, but it's I, it's like you I know couldn't. the people who say that their best years of their life were high school, 
yeah. are stuck there. Stuck. Like for me, my best years, I don't, I don't want to say best, but years that I probably have very you know, good memories of are my university years, mm-hmm. which are a lot different because you're away from home, you're on your own for the first time. These are you know, major life-changing moments, whereas if you didn't go to university and college, I'm not, I don't want to be elitist about it, you didn't have those same experiences. So you may be yeah. stuck, like you're talking about, in that same town, not wanting to spread your, you know, your wings and go to other places. You know? I think, I think uh, my best years are going to be 2014 <laughs> to maybe about 2017. So they, yeah, when you so graduate so high school. Is bright. Yeah, so when you graduate, when when you Dave graduates high school. And- <laughs> yeah. I, think I, I think I'm actually probably the most, uh, I can't think of anyone else that went to Leaside High School in Toronto that has done stuff. stuff. Oh, no, I'm serious. I can't think. <laughs> Toronto High School and you can't think? Oh, man. Holy, f- come on, uh, Dave. Well, I, uh, there's a guy, John, uh, John Wardle, who uh, I think I saw him in a TV commercial. But other than that, uh, Jordan Peddle, who's like a playwright, uh, yeah. he did Dave, a no, playwright. Dave, no, come on. I can't think of anyone from my Lee side. I'm the only one in my high school yeah, that did a comedy now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Maybe that's why you're not getting invited to the, the reunions. I was on the Mike Bowler show. And the Being Frank, Being Frank. <laughs> the Being Frank show, yeah. Uh, uh, I can't, yeah I free can't think cheetah of drinks for the rest of your life. That's awesome. But maybe that's why they don't want me there. They're just thinking, oh, man, he's just going to well, talk about uh, all the shit that he's done and how everyone's ripped him off and how he did everything first. And, oh, but, sure. Yeah, that's what the big issue is going to be. That's why they don't want me there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's... It's like, you know, whenever I'm told that, oh, just be yourself on that date. And I'm like, oh, well, what if people don't like me? That's me. I should be someone else. But anyway, I don't, I'm, I'm not looking forward to a high school reunion anyways. Because it's just, I don't, yeah, it's like I don't, didn't talk to them then. Fun. Why do I talk to one now? Well, no, no, they didn't yeah. talk to you then. They didn't talk to me. Yeah, there's a big difference. <laughs> you can play that all you want. I didn't talk to them. No, they didn't come near you. Only because they didn't talk to me either. So that's Right, that's what I'm saying. So. And uh, so now you live in Alberta. And live in Calgary, yeah. Calgary, yeah, close and to the mountains. That's right. Is it like you know? I remember there's a, fa- a famous story. Alan Park was out, out west. I was pretty sure it's Alberta, mm-hmm. and he was in a small town. And he asked for a salad. And he pretty much said, "What are you, some kind of faggot?" Faggot. Yeah, I. One it's time definitely I went, a man's manly kind of province. I did a I did a a fundraising show. I went there with uh, Kevin Stobo for a bunch oh, of firefighters comment. in yeah. uh, this small town. And as soon as we got there, this massive fire guy goes. Uh, Okay, so uh, how many steaks would you like? <laughs> uh, the fact that he pluralized it was yeah. like, I let's start with one. Let's see where that takes me. Like yeah. usually burgers and hot dogs. How many do you want? But I never heard uh, how many steaks would you like? Uh, let's start with one fourteen ounce, and we'll see where it takes me. I'll make full when up you on told, when you told those potato. firefighters that like I mean, well, you were there as a comic, so it's yeah. like. But I don't remember. I was at a party once, and I was talking to a firefighter, and I told him I was a, a, a comic. And I couldn't believe he actually said, oh, man, I don't know how you do that. Get up on stage like that. Seriously. Don't you walk into burning buildings? Yeah. It's like, you know, I can, that's like the only thing that's going to get scarred are my feelings getting off stage. And then I'll just go have a beer and. Call exactly. all you fucking assholes that lay in my in my hotel room. I remember, but I mean, you guys go into play buildings yeah. where people aren't like everyone's running out, and you're going in, and somehow yeah. you're thinking that I'm brave. Apparently, I mean, apparently, standing in front of a crowd is the biggest fear in the world. And when I used to go to Yuck Yucks, I would think to myself, Mike, does not anybody? Is everybody want to do this? Like everyone <laughs> must want to do this. Like why would you want not want to do this? And then through the years, you find out people are like, fuck no, I would not. I never want to yeah. even consider it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's right. I'm, an analogy of a firefighter, you're like, but you go out and you, how could you not want to? I mean, it would be one thing if like, all you did was get kittens from trees and stuff like that. But no, it's like, there's there's no I, bur- there's no one, there's no comedians am, in the burn I'm victims not a hero. Unit, you know? It's so always because you're know, like they're On the yeah a lot of yeah. Richard Pryor sort of accidents. So. And they wake up and they do push-ups and then they run and then they clean their engines and then they you know get ready to save people's lives and we just get up late and try, or we, or we you know, you know we're we're uh, miffed that the Starbucks is three blocks away. You're like ah Christ, no. can I? <laughs> I had to walk seven blocks for this fucking uh, grande americano. Can you believe it? And then the pumpkin spice scone that was bullshit too. And and uh, wah wah wah, you know. But I mean, yeah, it's, it was just the, the weirdest thing. And I didn't want to call the firefighter on it, but I did sort of say, well, I don't think that, because then I'm sort of like, it's sort of like when someone says to you after a show, hey, great show, and then there's a part of you that wants to go, ah, yeah, but I didn't get to these three jokes, and I forgot a tag that goes, that's a bit of a fuck you to someone who actually enjoyed what you just watched. So I wasn't going to say to the firefighter, hey, what the fuck you're talking about? (laughs) You know, but it it was, it's still a weird thing that how, how people are sort of that freaked out about getting up on stage and telling jokes. Did I you mean, have that as a uh, when you when you were in your banking profession? 
No, did that I was. Did you? When did that fear break from you, or did I you? I don't always think I ever had that? it, and I think I narrowed it down to a few things. Is my I'm a military brat, and right. every three years I was moving around Ontario, and I uh, used the analogy that I would have to, be, I would, I'd be introduced to a different classroom like every three years. So uh, I remembered specifically teachers would be like, "Okay, uh, say hi to Scott. He's a new student from Petawawa," and I'd be like, "Hi, class. My name is Scott. I like hockey. You know, my brother's Jeff, and my dad. You know." And I just standing in front of people, introducing yourself and being social and yeah. and, uh, and and meeting new people uh, became natural. And then when I got into banking, I was always doing uh, you know one on ones or uh, or in front of groups talking about death death ins- uh, death uh, what do you call it uh, life insurance right, sorry yeah. and death you benefits death insurance, death insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna die this year I think that's gonna happen sometimes. <laughs> <insurance. laughs> and uh, I just I never had a fear of standing in front of people so when I got into comedy I was like well standing in front of people is not scary right I wonder if I could be funny like that was so you, you eliminate the fear and standing in front of people uh, was the hardest thing and that wasn't hard Right. So, so actually, so after you, you did a couple classrooms, by the time you got to like the like the sixth right. school you were at, could that's you do right. like fifty? Oh, could was, you do a couple minutes on every other 15, school? 15, 20 minutes right, right. right off the head. Yeah, yeah, not like those uh, people from uh, Churchill, Manitoba, right? You know what the fuck I'm talking about? Yeah, their oh, yeah, mascots a fucking owl. What's up with them? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Have you ever noticed when you're transferring from school to school, there's <laughs> always the same oh, people. What's with the bathroom here? Oh, my God, this guy's good. Yeah. Uh, and then your teachers would get a liquor license for the thing. Hey, if we could just start uh, selling drinks in this classroom, we'll be, <laughs> who wants some nachos? <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Uh, and then, and then well, you're my... going, oh, man, we can't get this. This room's not packed. Okay. <laughs> One of the perks that uh, for all of us, we get to travel a lot. And Dave was telling me about a story yeah. about you, and, and it was in Halifax, I think, That's where right. you took the uh, the Alexander Keats tour. Yeah. And for our yeah. American friends, or even in Canada, don't know, Alexander Keats is a brewery uh, based in Halifax, uh, Nova mm-hmm. Scotia. Uh, it's a very famous uh, beer up here. Uh, it's a very tasty beer. And so uh, you're when you stay at the club there, you're pretty much next door, about a five or ten minute yeah, walk really to the brewery. Mm-hmm. And so they have a tour where they take That's you. Right. Around and the people act like they're from what year? Like the 1800s? They're in costumes. Yeah, costumes. early 1840 or something. When when Alexander and then normally a tour was... would be like 10 mm-hmm. or 12 people. So you know yeah. the, the people are there to give yeah. their speeches and move you along to the next <laughs> post. It's like a reenactment tour. They're they're dressed yeah. in character. That's right. Yeah, you know, they have the true. accents yeah, and they're exactly. dressed in the in the in the dresses or the, uh, the 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 wardrobe of the time. And every half hour they have these tours. So I was like, I'll sign up. For the tour, so okay. they're like, "Okay, uh, everybody for the three o'clock tour," and it was just me. I walk in, <laughs> and then there's this like like little twenty one year old girl just fresh out of drama school from high, high school, and and uh, she's like, "Oh, welcome to the uh, Alexander Keith's tour. We're going to take you through the brewery and go to his house, and maybe if you're lucky, Alexander Keith will come and see you himself." And I'm like. Uh, looking around, like, why? It's just me. Uh, and then she'd be like, if you follow me, we'll take you down to the, the brewery and we'll meet the brewmaster. And then we'll go to the kitchen and we'll maybe Alexander Keith will come himself. And I'm like, could you just uh, cut the crap and just <laughs> yeah. talk to me like, like, what's your real name? <laughs> oh, what do you mean? <laughs> and like, how did you get this job? Ah, oh, Alexander Keith, he's brought me in himself. You know? It's, uh, you know, it's, almost, it's almost like there would be like a portrait of Alexander Keith on the wall with the eyes poked out and like, <laughs> someone's right. watching yeah, her. Scooby-Doo. And, uh, yeah, yeah, she starts getting like, like freaked out the more <laughs> that you try to poke holes in the whole, you know, the whole uh, you know, setup. Oh, yeah. They're just like... What are you, you talking about, sir? Oh, this okay. is 1840. Okay. They're not all leprechauns out there. Let's, let's just say that. Can we can we just say they're not all fucking leprechauns on the East Coast? They're not all, no, they're definitely not all leprechauns. But it, just, it, it sounds like she, she's going to get scared. It's like Big Brother from oh, yeah. 1984 is on the wall and trying to like, uh, yeah. well, no. It's like she, she would not break character no matter how I oh, try to break great. her. And then she takes me into the, the living room, the fake living room, and she's like, I'm just going to put a video on and I'll be right back. And the, the broom Master Billy will be in in a second. And Billy comes in, and I'm like, hey, Billy. Ah, good to have you here. Do you like a good pint of Alexander Keith's? I'm like, could you just talk to me like whoever you are? Like, just forget this bullshit. And uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't break it. Like, for a half hour, uh, these three people took me and me alone through the... Now, normally, each person gets two free pints. You get, like, 23 right. pints in for the group of 10? No, that's the thing. Like, they just, you know, they wouldn't even budge on that, you oh, know? Can man. we just uh, hang out and have a couple extras? And, <laughs> oh, 
Uh, Dave fucking dreams of that. <laughs> it's like get ten friends to start the tour, then it just one by one, just take off and all. Oh, but there's a fella here last week. Dave, Dave he drank a stray. He got so hammered, he tried to fuck the end of the rainbow. <laughs> That's not gold coming out the end of that thing. There's a. Uh, I think oh, yeah, yeah, they sing songs and stuff like that At too. And end, I finished yeah. my. I finished my first song right. so quickly, and, right. I, and I just thought, well, let's. We'll, Keep this real. Don't, yeah. don't tell me that uh, back then that nobody would come up to the bar during a song and ask for another pint. And it was just sort of they kind of looked at me like, "How rude!" Don't you see someone singing? I'm like, "Yeah, yeah another pint yeah, over here." Yeah, exactly. It's, it's sort of like, "Come on!" I mean, there were bar flies back then that would be like, "Hey, keep singing your song, and I'll, I'll have another beer." I'll have another pint. Exactly. And I was just like, "Come I'll on!" I'll be over at the bar. I was just, I was trying to keep it real. Keeping it real. <laughs> keep it real. Yeah, for the kids of Halifax. Those youngins, uh, huh? Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis and all the other Leprechaun-y Hector people in the land of Alexander Keats. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis? Yeah. <clears throat> my left foot. Oh, okay. uh, what are you? I didn't know, actually. I never saw the My Left Foot uh, movie. No, well, it's based on you, so. <laughs> no need to watch it. Just fucking watch a couple videos on YouTube. Um, so we have just a couple minutes left. If people mm -hmm. ever want to get a hold of you, would you have a website? Is there? I know you said you don't Twitter, right? But do you have a website? ScottDumas.com. Okay, now do oh, your yeah. joke, Scott Dumas. Do the joke. <laughs> oh, who's Romstein's uh, favorite comedian? Is Scott Dumas? <laughs> Which you can have that. I don't know. You kids, you kids, just no. pull out your little phones and Google yeah, Romstein. Romstein. And uh, uh, Scott Dumas. And uh, and and thank you uh, so much for. Uh, coming into the uh, the lovely hotel room. Studios. I'm glad I could fit you guys the in. Official today, uh, on the road XM Studios. <laughs> All right, thanks, no Scott. Good luck. All right, that's the Big Bad Show. This is Anything Goes. We want to thank our guests, Rick Curry and Scott Dumas, and the phoner, of course, with Arj Barker off the top. And uh, any other things you want to say coming into 213, Dave? Uh, well, uh, I hope that we're all still here, yes. and uh, I whatever New Year's resolutions I made, I hope I haven't broken them by now. Right. And, um, no, that's just about it. It's a, it's a bright and happy New Year. It is. Yeah. And I'm gonna, not going to shit in the tub anymore. That's what I'm going to do. That's <laughs> How my long new were you shitting in the tub? Well, remember Ottawa, the tub? And the I house. felt like that before, though, On a, you know, when you're actually standing there, and then you got to yeah. take a shit, and you yeah. don't want to... I've never stood and shit at the same time. Well, I used to have this thing. If I ate every time I shit, I'd have to shower on the road. Oh, so if I ate at Taco Bell, I showered like four times in well, one day. And you never thought to eliminate Taco Bell out of the diet? Well, not at that point. I was young. You're I was foolish. How young and foolish were you? Very young. You very foolish. You, you couldn't connect the Taco Bell I, and the I was, diarrhea. I was thirty-one. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a, I was, oh, it was a different time back we then. we got to wrap this up or we're mm. never going to get a sponsor in Taco Bell. It was Bell. 31 and I was It was a very world. good year. Yeah, That's exactly. where you're going with that. Something like that. All right, so that is the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to Victoria, our producer, for making us sound better. And uh, if you want us to get divorced, go to our website, DarrenAndDaveGettingDivorced.com. <laughs> <laughs>